We are so glad that you joined us today. We know that God wants to do something great in you and through you, and we want to hear about it. So if you can take a moment and share with us your story in the City Chapel app in the Amen Corner. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you enjoy today's message. Called taking the land, and um, as as the year has gotten off to a start, um, we we uh, intentionally wanted not just simply to make good intentions for the new year, but rather to to find out what God would have us to possess, what God would have us to do uh, with our new year, how God would want to direct us and lead us. And so, as you see up here on the stage, there are tons of flags. Um, and all of these flags, you all have written on these flags different land uh, that you want to take. And we're looking at the book of Joshua where, where God um, finally gets his people at the edge of the land that he had promised them hundreds and hundreds of years previously. And this, this scenario is really hundreds of years in the making. And the book of Joshua is all about entering into that promised land, entering into the land that God had promised them. And so we've been talking about ways that we can enter into our promised land. So we're using that story really as a bit of an analogy, a parable, if you will, of what God wants to do in our lives. Because I believe that many of us live far short of what God designed for us, of what God desires for us. And so you'll see several things written here. Um, a lot of people wrote family and their children. Um, my house, they're going to take their house back. Uh, I don't know if that means they actually are going to get a house or if they just need to take dominion over the house that they have. Um, trust issues, marriage issues, health issues, um, the past. I, I really like this one, that, that the past. I want to take the land of my past. Sometimes we have to take the land of our memories and um, closing the door on yesterday and dealing with the past. But all of these things are good things and, and uh, time, take the land of my time. That's, that's awesome. Some of us... Our time owns us. We don't own it. And we're not using it um, to the best of our ability. And so uh, this whole sermon series is, 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 is applicable to each and every one of us that God has land for us that he wants us to take back. And, and as, as your pastor, I just want to say that I believe that 2017 can be. I'm not saying that it's, it has to be, but it can be a, a time of progress for you. It can be a time of stepping into and owning new territory in your life. Um, I really do believe that there is great potential in this year, in 2017. I believe that 2016 was a rough year for a lot of us. Uh, but 2017, I believe that if we start this thing off right, and if we have the right focus, that God is going to be able to open up the door for us to take dominion or take ownership over what he has for us. And so the first, the first step, last week I talked about promises. And I talked about how every Possession starts with a promise. You have to understand, first of all, what God has promised you. And secondly, you have to rehearse the promises of God. So really, we end up repeating what we rehearse. We, we, we live out what we, the, what we tell ourselves in our head. And so part of that is simply instead of, instead of speaking doubt over your home or over your family or speaking sickness over your body, sometimes we just need to start speaking the word of God over our lives. 
And uh, it's not it's not spooky, it's not weird. It, it's changing your mindset, it's changing your thinking because you will always own uh, what you walk over, what you tread upon, what you what, what what you ruminate over in your mind. That will be your house, that will be your home, that will be where you live. And, um, and so for us, some of us, we just need to start focusing on the promises of God. And if you missed that sermon, you can go back on our podcast and listen to that. Um, but, uh, but today I want to step into the next little part of, of Joshua chapter 1. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach for about 10 minutes, I think. Then I'm going to have uh, Mario and Tina come up and just share some of their story. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it all applies to this part that I'm going to be preaching on today. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Joshua 1. If not, we have it here on the screen, Joshua chapter 1, verse 10. Moving on um, from last week. After God spoke to Joshua, so God speaks to Joshua and renews his promises to him, reminds him of his promise. It says, be strong and very courageous. And then in verse 10, we see that Joshua now commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through the camp and command the people. Now, so you notice the, 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 the structure here. God speaks to Joshua. Now Joshua is speaking to the people. And this is what Joshua says to the people. He says, prepare provisions for yourself. Prepare provisions for yourself. I, uh, if, if I had a title for this sermon, I would call it uh, uh, that preparation is important um, to be able to possess what God has for you. Uh, possession depends on preparation. Uh, many of us um, are, are good at getting excited and getting a good vision about something, talking about something, planning about something, calling a, a family meeting about something, having a discussion about something, looking into something. But, but most of the time we fail to possess what God has for us because we fail to prepare for it. And I love what Joshua does here. As soon as he receives the word from God, he talks to his officers and he says, I want you guys to go through the camp. And I want you to give them this message. Prepare provisions for yourself. In other words, get ready. Get ready to move. Get ready to move into the promise that God has for you. And he says, prepare provisions for yourself. Start packing. For within three days, you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. I find it interesting that as soon as Joshua receives the word from God, Right? He does not, well, he's not like me. He doesn't deliver a sermon. <laughs> he doesn't call everybody forward and say, okay, now, this is the word from, from God. Uh, he doesn't rent airtime at the, uh, you know, the Super Bowl uh, commercial and, and, and tell everybody, this is the word from God. He doesn't, he, he doesn't have a big concert, have everybody come to the front, and then this is the word. No, instead, he, he speaks to his officers and he tells them specifically, I want you to go through the camp. And I just think it's interesting the way that he words the people. Because it's not just a camp. He's talking about this is about a million plus individuals. They're all part of the family of Jacob, also known as Israel. They are the tribes of Israel. They are, they are they're a nation that God has brought together and pulled together. Yeah, but he doesn't refer to them as a nation. He doesn't refer to them as a tribe. He refers to them as a camp. He says, I want you to go through the camp. So I don't, I don't want you to ask them to come to you, officers. I want you to go to them. And so as the officers would have started walking through the, the camp, they would have walked up to the tents. They would have, you know, you know, knocked on the little post there by the tent. Hey, just want you to know, uh, 
prepare provisions for yourselves because in three days we're going to go over the Jordan. Right? And so the officers are going through the camp sharing this message. And, and as, I, as I study this passage, I see that picture in my head. And I feel like that is such a big part of preparation. Such a big part of getting ready to step into what God has for you is the ability not just, not, not just to look forward, but the ability to look back at the camp uh, that's behind you. And, and, and go to that camp and walk through that camp. You know what a camp is? A camp is, is a temporary dwelling place. So somebody here is, is believing for their house. Apparently they don't want to camp for the rest of their life. Which I, I completely understand. I hate camping. Camping is awful. And I know I'm the minority in this room, but uh, <laughs> I don't do camping. I, I, I pay mortgage for a house that I live in. So why would I abandon my house while I still pay for my house, leave my house, and get, get, get like this thing of vinyl with zippers and like set that up on the hard ground somewhere, no AC, no air conditioning, you know, and get a sleeping bag, which I never sleep in when I'm in my house because it's not comfortable. And so, you know, get a, get a separate little fake bed, put it in this thing of vinyl, and go sleep out in the middle of the woods like an animal. Like, I am, I, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not judging those of you that like to hunt and like to, you know, camp out and all that stuff, but you're weird. Like, this is not normal. This is strange behavior. Like, I, I thought we evolved past this, you know what I'm saying? Like, like what, 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 have we been, what was the Industrial Revolution for, anyway? Just so we could go back out like savages out in the woods in our tents and like go hunt something. Like, no, I, I'm going to the grocery store where people have already killed stuff for me. I'm going to order Starbucks where they've already got the roasted coffee beans from some other place in the world. They've already done all the work. I'm going to receive the convenience of that. But, but, but what, what, what a tent is, what camping is, is it's, it's temporary housing. Right? It's not supposed to be permanent. It's temporary housing. It's this temporary system whereby the people of God had set up a camp in the wilderness. Now, they didn't own the wilderness. They hadn't really fought for much of the wilderness. But they had set up a tent and several tents. And they had organized a life in the wilderness. And what's interesting to me is, is, is Joshua says within three days. I mean, he totally busts open their world. And he comes to their tent and tells them, you're going to have to tear down the tent. You're going to have to pack up, roll up the tent, and prepare provisions for yourselves because you got, you got three days before we're moving on out of here. Now, now for, for us, just starting into this story, it's like, oh, okay, well, hey, three days, that's, that's, that's a lot of time, right, to get ready. And Well, no, not really, because these people had been in these tents for 40 years. And by the way, this is what happens. I don't know if you've lived very long, but if you're over 15, you will understand that this is what happens. Sometimes we get stuck in what was supposed to be temporary. We get attached. We get tied to what was supposed to be temporary. And maybe some 30-year-olds can, can attest to that. Some 45-year-olds, you lived a little while. It's real easy to get stuck in what was supposed to be 
a transition. These guys actually have been living in transition. And, and, and it's kind of interesting to me because I think our generation is almost living in transition. We're always talking about what we're going to do, where we're going to go, how much potential. We love talking about our potential. We're, we're head over heels in love with our potential. I mean, you know, like we all like, oh, yeah, we have so much potential. Well, guess what? Your potential is worthless if you never step into it. Yeah. The potential without discipline is just another word for failure. It's massive failure. It's failure of what could have been, what should have been, but what never was because you never, because you took what was temporary, you made it permanent. These people lived for 40 years in a tent that was supposed to be for about four days in their journey, and they turned it into 40 years because that's what we humans do. We get comfortable in our camp. We get complacent in our camp. And the first thing Joshua did is he came to a generation that was actually born in the tents. They were born in transition. Their parents told them, someday we're going to be crossing over that Jordan. It's going to be awesome. And for 40 years, these kids, now adults, have been growing up, now having their own babies, having their own families. And they have grown used to always living on the edge of accomplishment, on the edge of provision, on the edge of the promises of God, but never actually stepping into it. They're used to that. Well, yeah, we're going over there someday. Absolutely. I mean, you know, shouldn't we maybe fix the hole in the tent? No, no, it's fine. It's just temporary, you know? Because when you're living in a temporary situation, you don't take care of it like you do a permanent situation. If you're renting, you treat your rental different than when you own a building. Because when you own it, now you're responsible for all the upkeep and you're thinking about the future. But when you're temporary, you're just thinking about today. You're just thinking about this election. You're just thinking about this situation. You're just thinking about this relationship. Because we're so used to living in transition that we are not trying to build something for the future. We're just like, well, this really isn't, you know, I mean, you know, the stuff's going to be, the, the job I have, yeah, well, it's going to be better someday. And that's going to be better someday. And my family, yeah, it's just a phase that we're going. And someday, but a phase can turn into a fixed structure of your life. And that's, that's what had happened to the people of Israel. And I think that's what happens with us many times is we get stuck in what should have been temporary, what should have been transition. We turn, we get tied to it. We enjoy the lack of commitment that it takes. We enjoy the lack of ownership that it requires. And we always have the excuse, right? Well, this is just temporary. Uh, I'm, I'm just a temporary student for the past seven years in college, and I'm just a temporary, it's just a temporary relationship. This is just a, we enjoy the, the, the lack of commitment of ownership. And what Joshua says immediately, he says there has to be a shift. You guys have to shift your thinking. No longer are we talking about going over. No longer are we going to strategize about how we're going to go over. You got three days to pack up what was temporary and get moving. <clears throat> There has to be a shift. There has to be a shift in, in your mind and in my mind and in my heart. I cannot simply look at, at, at the difficulties of my life or the compromises of my life and say, well, that's just temporary. If it's been around for a while, it's no longer temporary. It is a part of who you are. You have made what was supposed to be temporary, what was supposed to be transition. You got stuck in the middle of transition. And so, and so you have to shift. You have to shift your thinking. You have to shift your focus. You have to remember your purpose. You have to remember all of these things. Actually, if you, if you read all of these flags around here, you're going to see a whole lot of purpose. 
Release the gifts that have given to me. Uh, my motivations, that I always be motivated by love. Uh, that, that, that I take my time back, that I take my past back, my family back, my finances back. Uh, that I deal with, with, with my pride and with my family and with forgiveness. All of these things are, are good things, but we, we don't achieve them because we get stuck as we're always kind of working on it. And we're always kind of moving forward, but we're not really moving forward. And so what Joshua says is we're going, it's time to wrap up the tents. It's time to fold up the tents. You have to abandon something. And that's why he says prepare provisions for yourself. In other words, start packing. Until you start packing, you don't, you're not really leaving. Until you start packing, you're not really leaving. Uh, and I don't know if you're like me, um, but for me, I always wait to the last minute to pack. Um, Row, on the other hand, if we're going out of town in like a week, by like a week, seven days before we leave, she already has the bags packed. And I'm like, honey, where's my toothbrush? Oh, it's in the, I got a week, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, like, come on, like, give me, well, where, 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 it's, it's, you know, and so it's like certain clothes. I'm like, where's, where's, where's my jeans? And, oh, it's in the bag. And, 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 and I am the opposite. So if we're flying out at 7 a.m., I know we got to leave the house at 5.30. I'll get up at 4.30, 30 minutes to do my hair, and 30 minutes to pack. <laughs> Slip that in there. And 30 minutes to pack for the trip. Because, I mean, why would I pack before I'm ready to go? So I know that some of us are different. But I do know that as soon as you start packing, it gets real. Has anybody, has anybody noticed that? You're going on a trip. As soon as you start packing, it gets real. And we, we've been trying to teach our kids this. And so, so we, help, we, we have them help pack. And so they each have their own little backpack. And when we're going to Graham and Graham's up in Michigan, we have them pack. And they, they, they get their little backpack. And we tell them you can put anything that you want to put in there, right? You can just load it up. I mean, you know, it's like two feet by like six inches by about a foot and a half. So it's not huge. But, but, but it's, it's got its own wheels. And, they, and Madden has a little girl one. Micah has a. Is, a, is it a Spider-Man one? I don't know. And uh, SpongeBob. He's not allowed to watch SpongeBob, but he's got it on his backpack. Anyway, so they, they you know, they, they, they're able to pull it. They're able to do it. And, um, and it's kind of their little responsibility. Now, we always say, now, technically, you need to have underwear. You need to have toothbrushes and toothpaste. And you need to have some sort of clothes, right? Something to put on your body. Uh, while we're there. But other than that, just knock yourself out. And so, and so kids, you know, they, their eyes are really big. And they're like, oh, I really need this. And oh, I need this. And it's like stuff they haven't played with in like six months to a year. You know, I, this is stuff that we got for Christmas that we're like, why did we get that? It's just been sitting on the show. And I got to have this to take to Graham's house. And I'm like, really? You never played with it here. But anyway, so they just start trying to shove all this stuff. And then they go to close it, right? And they're, they're trying to zip it up. And they want me to help them zip it up. And, 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 and we, we, we've just developed this statement over time uh, to help them understand. We, we, we tell them, dad's not carrying this. <laughs> Mom's not carrying this. You are carrying it. And this helps them pack. Because if you start to understand that what you pack, you also have to carry, you'll think differently about what you pack. And I'm just thinking about the children of Israel. They're going around. Joshua says, all right, start packing. So they go back in their tent. They've been there for 40 years, right? They grew up in this tent, probably born in the tent. They're looking around at grandma's rocking chair. They're looking around at their, their favorite little desk and this deal. And, and, and now it becomes real because i got to carry what I'm going to take. And this is part of preparation, though. This is so important because until you start deciding what you're going to leave behind, you have not started preparation. 
Preparation starts when you say, I need that, I don't need that. And you start putting stuff off to the side, stuff we're going to leave. Right? We can buy a new fridge when we get across the Jordan. You know, we can get we can probably get a new dining room table over there. I don't want to carry that across the Jordan. Honey, you want to carry that? No, I don't want to carry that. Okay, kids? No, okay. So that stays. Uh, you want to get the lawnmower? No, we'll get a new lawnmower when we get there. That stays, right? And so we suddenly start recognizing and realizing what is really essential for the next level in our lives. And I think as we start 2017, it's good for you to walk, take a walk through the camp, take some inventory of your life and say, now this was fine with for me in 2016, but is this going to weigh me down in 2017? I, I didn't mind keeping this in my tent, but do I really want to carry that to where I'm going, right? Like I didn't mind, I didn't mind it sitting there in my life, that habit just kind of sitting there, but if I'm actually going to take my family back and I, I may have to shift my thinking and my language and the way I talk to my spouse, I may really have to deal with some of this stuff if I want to move forward. Now if I want to stick around in the tent, those, those habits and things, they can stick around because they fit in the tent. But if I'm going to move, if I'm going to walk, I'm going to have to carry whatever I take, and that's going to help me make some decisions that I don't want to carry that. That's too heavy. That's too much. I can get a replacement for that one. you got to leave some stuff. you got to choose what you're going to leave and what you're going to take. They they go through the camp, and they, and they start sort of shifting through the old stuff. Start shifting through the old stuff. And, and that's some of what we need to do. We need to look at our old routine. Because if you stick with your old routine, you get your old results. But if you want new results, you have to develop a new routine. That's just, just basic human behavior. If you want new results, you have to develop a new routine. And maybe it's not a huge shift. Maybe it's not night and day. But you, you have to, if you want new results... You have to start start moving out of, and really you have to stop evaluating where you are right now based on where you have been. Right, so so a lot of times like we look at our lives and we're like, oh, I'm doing pretty good because like, you know, last year I was there and now I'm, now I'm here. And we evaluate our present based on our past. And it makes us feel kind of good about ourselves. We're doing all right. That's not the way that God sees us. God sees us in response to these things, in response to our future. He looks at our, He looks at the family we could have. He looks at the gifts we could be using. He looks at the finances we could have. He looks at the property we could have. He looks at the influence we could have. He looks at the, the anointing that we could have. He looks at the opportunities that He looks at our future. And he's not, he, he's not looking at our past. He's looking at our future. He's saying, I, I want you to live in such a way that you prepare for what's coming. Not you justify what has been. Because otherwise you stay in the wilderness, right? And I imagine they got a little closer every year to the to the Jordan, a little closer and a little closer. And well, I'm not where I'm going, but I'm not where I was, bless God. And well, that's that's wonderful. You know, that's great. How about you get to where you're going? Let's just try that. Let's try that on for size. <laughs> like like sometimes sometimes we make ourselves feel better by the fact that we got a few inches closer to the promised land. But is that really what God promised? You're going to get real close. It's going to be awesome. You're going to get so close. It's amazing. No. He promised possession. He promised you to own these things. For you to own your emotions. For you to have power over your emotions. 
not just learn a couple tricks and learn how to breathe and then not get not blow up in anger, but actually be in charge of your emotions. God promises that to you. He desires that for you. He desires that for your family. He doesn't want your family arguing and bickering on their way to church. Not that anybody was doing that today. Uh, and they come in and act like everything's cool. That's not what he's promised. That's close, yeah. I mean, you're coming to church, good for you. That's close. But what about actually owning it in your life? Well, that's going to take us leaving some things behind. That's going to take us, it may take us leaving some, some, some of our favorite shows behind, our favorite music, and we'll have to stop putting stuff in because that's what's coming out. And we'll have to stop hanging out with those people because that's influencing me for this. And, and I may have to cut off some, some Facebook stuff and social media. I may have to actually see what can go with me on this journey and what should probably stay in yesterday. Because where you're going is different from where you are. And so I've asked Tina and, and Mario to come up and share with us for just a minute because we had them over uh, for dinner a few weeks ago, four weeks ago or so. Um, which, by the way, I would encourage you guys to do that. Have people over for dinner. It's fun. Um, and uh, you get to know folks. And so we were talking to them about tithing and about giving. And so I, I've asked them just to share their testimony for a little bit. And so while they come up, um, babe, could you just grab them a couple chairs? And I'm going to have them come up. But while they do, I'd like to read the next passage of Scripture uh, found in Joshua chapter 3. Basically, Joshua, the rest of Joshua chapter 1, um, sure. Uh, Joshua's talking to some people, some more people about going over the land. Joshua chapter 2, they send out some spies. And then Joshua chapter 3 is where they come to the edge of the Jordan. And Joshua commands them. This is what he says. Joshua gets up early in the morning. And they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel. And they lodged there before they crossed over. And so it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests... The Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Verse 4 says, Yet there shall be a space between you and the ark. The ark was the, the visual presence of God. There shall be a space between you and the ark, um, so that you don't come near it. In order that, no, he's not, he's not, it's not for any other reason. It's just so that you will know the way in which you must go. Because you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. He says, he says it's, it's not, it's not, it's, it wasn't an issue of, of, of what they had. They didn't need more. They just needed to reposition what they had. He said, you have the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God with you. Now I want you to put it in front of you. And Tom Mullins, Pastor Tom Mullins says, if you want to take the land, you have to allow God to take the lead. And so God has to come out in front of you. And one of the best ways to do that is through giving financially, um, and that's something that, that we were talking about, uh, the, the, the learning about giving. And um, I just wanted Mario and Tina to share some of their story uh, with you all um, here. Let's uh, share. You guys can share the corded one. Um, and uh, first of all, just let us know a little, about, a little bit about yourself. And when did you all first learn about um, giving financially, and how has that affected your life? Hey, my name is Mario, and my wife Tina, we have been, um, um, I would say, less really since we understood the um, um, importance of uh, giving faithfully to the Lord. So um, I remember um, in, in the 90s probably when I re rededicated my life to the Lord, and um, I, uh, reading the scriptures, I understood um, that he was challenging me. Basically, that's what I understood. I mean, uh, 
if you want to be blessed, why don't you do your part, and and then you will receive what um, I I have for you. So um, I remember reading the Malachi. So some from the people I was going to church tell me, well, you need to read Malachi, and you need to understand exactly what it says. And I was really. Uh, um, What's really, how I say, um, it was kind of uh, different to say that the Lord was asking me to test him in that way. And you read the scripture in any other place in the scripture, say, test me. But yeah, do you want to read the scripture yeah, in Malachi? Sure. Some may not be familiar. This is the this is in the Old Testament. Yeah. This is something that God spoke it's, to uh, his people. Uh, it's three, it's, uh, well, actually, from the, the, the starting in, in um, 3 6, it says, I the Lord do not change. So you, uh, descendants of Jacob, are not uh, destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we returned? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob, but you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there may, and there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the fl uh, floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings that you will not have room enough for it. Okay. And then, so and I, tithe, tithe, just, tithe, just by explanation, when he says tithe, that means ten. Yes. That means one-tenth of your income. Um, but he's also telling you offering, so you need, yeah. we need, you need to learn about not only giving, but we, we understood this, and, and before actually we got married, I mean, he's the Lord. So he could say, uh, um, well, give me everything. I'm your Lord. So when we, we, when right. we give our lives to him, we can we understand that he's our master, he's our Lord. And centuries ago, when there was a, a lordship and all the stuff, so I mean, they used to own everything that you that you had. Yeah. You didn't have anything. You didn't have an option. He's good enough that he gave us at least ninety percent for us to to do, and we are supposed to give ten percent to him. But he says also, give my tithe and give and the offering. So we are cursed because we are not giving ties to the storehouse, which is the church where we congregate, and beyond that, we are supposed to give offerings to whatever we want to do. I mean, the, the tie is something that is sacred to the storehouse, which is the the the, um, the the church. But beyond that, we can give offerings to whatever other um, organization or family or whatever uh, you want to do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so, so so important for us to understand that, that you will want to be blessed. And, 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 and not only, well, obviously he talks in here about the finan financial blessing, right. but I understand that it's not, not only, well, that is a big part, but it's being blessed in many other areas of our lives. And I think we're blessed. Uh, 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 I mean, we have been faithful since we got married, we decided, we're gonna give to the Lord what is to the Lord, and He has been blessing us more than abundantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. He provides for us, and we were sharing with them. We recently we went to a trip. Uh, uh, since the beginning, we uh, we talked to Tina. I said, mm -hmm. I talked to her. 
and I said, uh, we're gonna bless them when we go over there, and I was basically we're going to be with family, so we decided to, uh, whatever we go, whatever we, if we do, we're gonna bless them. So we agree on that, that we, that's another blessing, we agree in everything we do, financially, finances and everything, we always agree in that. But um, we went over there, and I mean, we was like, let's go on to this, okay, uh, and then we were paying most of the time. And we were basically paying for everything that we were doing. And we didn't even know where the money was coming from because we went actually was out of the country and we exchanged money. Um, we always put like in two different place pocket. So we have like, we, we know we spend that, we know we have to go slow because we have only whatever is in the yeah. other pocket, you know? <laughs> and then, um, That's my <laughs> and then we, we were, Pulling money and pulling money, and we're looking at each other like, where all this money coming? And I opened another seat for my backpack, and where my money coming? And another, and but money like, this is unreal. And we were blessing them, we're blessing, and we have a, a very good time, and we spend a lot of stuff. I mean, we buy a lot of stuff over there. With, with we and we brought and we got money back. It's like, exactly. this is yeah. That's unheard of when we go on vacation. <laughs> Yeah. It's usually spent down to the last dime. <laughs> but we brought money back this time. And it was funny because he would turn around and he says, um, he put it in the pocket and he's like, oh, here's this money I need to give you. Put this in the purse. And next thing we go, and the next day he goes through and he's going through this other bag. He says, oh, here, I got some more money for you. Put it in here with that. I'm going, where are you getting this money? <laughs> well, I got this the other day, you know, or I changed this money, but we took a defined amount of money there. And if you add up the amount of money that we took, what we spent and what we came back with, we came back with more than what we took. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're, 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 I kept turning around. More. <laughs> yeah, and a big part of it is you're blessing people too while you're there, right? You're buying oh, people's yeah. meals and yeah. taking yeah. care taking of them. Taking them on trips, buying yeah. meals. We got yeah. to go and celebrate his mother's 90th birthday. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And she's a little Spitfire, still going. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you guys first got how did you all decide to tithe? Were, were you tithing before you got both, together? Both of us had come to the Lord um, before we were married, yeah. and both of us were already doing the tithing. Mm -hmm. When we were dating, that was one of the first things we asked each other. If we got married, what is your stance on tithing? Because I was nice. not going to be yoked with a person who did not understand the importance of tithing. Well, first of all, when we got married, uh, we understood the importance of being faithful and um, if we want to be blessed, I think we need to understand also the concept of uh, extortion, because everything that he gave us is not ours, it's his. So we have to be- Concept of what? Extortion. Stewardship, yes, stewardship. yes, okay. I'm sorry, my, my, my <laughs> Stewardship. So, but, um, but uh, we don't understand that everything that we have belongs to him, right? Yeah. It, uh, so we are basically just uh, 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 handling what he's given us, he is providing for us, but we have to be good stewards of everything that he blesses with. So if he blesses whatever thing he blesses with, we have to take good care of it. We need to uh, um, um, 
because someday we will be accountable for that and we'll have to be responsive to him that how good you did with the thing that we blessed with. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that we see in our life. We, he blessed with things, we are responsible for the thing he blessed with financially, and he blesses even more. Yeah. And he's like, wow. And so like we got a house and in less than nine years we were able to pay the house when we have a mortgage for 30 years. In, in less than a year, actually, it was eight and a half years. Wow. So stuff like that, and like we and, and we still uh, enjoy life. We don't do a lot of a lot of stuff like crazy stuff. Like uh, we hear all the people doing that spend a lot of time. We're good stewards of the thing he does. Uh, he gave us, but if he blesses with uh, money, we know that we need to give his what is his, yeah. and then the rest we decide what we, what to do with that part. But if we are good stewards of the 90% that he uh, 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 allows to handle, yeah. then yeah. He, even, he blesses even more. Yeah. Yeah, and when we put God, when we put God out in front, it does, he, he does amazing things. Because you continue reading this passage, basically when the Ark of the Covenant stepped into the water, the waters just stopped. The waters pushed back, and they walked through on dry ground. That would not have happened if God was in the back. Yep. <laughs> and the people were like, let's go across. Um, and so if you're going to take the land, one of the things you need to do is you need to put God in front. You need to, you need to have him lead you. And you need to create a space between you and God and allow him to direct you. And so one of the ways we put him in front is through our giving, through our tithing, especially if you're an American. Um, I don't, I don't know what it's like in other countries, but I know here in America, whenever people start giving up their money to something, that means that's important. Um, it's very important because we value our money. We work really hard, really long for our money, and our money is more. It means more than just cash. It's more than just a number in the bank. We we put a certain amount of hours to get that, and so it's our life, it's our time, it's our energy, it's our it's our it's our talents that we're using to get it. I'm from another country, uh, uh, but, but I say it everywhere. I mean, we are so attached to what we think is ours. But, but um, I, I remember when, uh, we, when I started tithing, when I rededicated my life to the Lord, I was asking him, why do you care about my money? I work for my money. But he doesn't care really about the money. He cares about our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. If heart is in him, I mean, it's not in our money. We know that everything belongs to him. So if he really cares about our hearts, where our heart is. And if our priority is the Lord, so he will take care of everything. I was telling someone this morning, he take care of our health. He and by the way, we have to be good stewards of our health. How we can expect that he's gonna bless us with good health if we don't take care of our health. He'll preach about it. I don't, well, I will preach about it. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's something that we have to be very concerned about because people wonder how come about our working health, and you can tell that, but, but, but um, how, how come people are dying with so many diseases and have so many problems when we are not eating, we're not putting in our bodies what we are supposed to be eating. And you know that very well in a role. So we need to be careful about everything that we do because everything belongs to him, including this temple. So it's not only our money, it's everything. We are his. Yeah. He is our Lord. He belongs 
I mean, everything belongs to him. He's the owner of everything we, we are and we do. So, and we're returning. We're returning yeah. back to him. We're getting back there. to him. Uh, to put it back in his hands. Yeah. You have any, 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 anything you want to share, Tina? Um, well, when I first came to the Lord, I knew the Lord as a child, and then our church broke up, and then my parents quit going. So in my teenage years, we didn't go to church. When I was back in college, my parents started going. Well, I made this comment to the Lord. Once I finish my degree here, I want to find out, are you real? Next thing I know, I was down here in Texas with nobody that I knew. And I was going to a church, and they had this class that was a year long. I was here for a year doing an internship. And it was learning about becoming, well, living your life as a Christian. Um, it's basically all in Hebrews 6. I don't want to um, it's all in Hebrews um, 6 1. It talks about all the foundation teachings. During the foundation teachings, they were always talking about if you love the Lord your God, you will obey his commands. Well, I learned about tithing through there. But not only do you tithe, it is your attitude of how you tithe. Do you do it begrudgingly? Or do you do it joyfully? Mm -hmm. So if I'm going to read a little bit here from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. All right. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, um, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered and brought his gifts to the poor. The righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience and accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because the surpassing grace of God has given you. Thanks be God for his incredible gift. Initially, I was hard because I was still going through the last years of my school and internship and you don't make a lot of money. <laughs> But I learned to give to God and trust. And every time I came up short in money, people would offer to have me over to their house for a meal when I didn't have enough food to last till the end of the week. Um, he taught me how to go ahead and give it joyfully when you don't have it. And then he started blessing me with many different things. 
By the end of the year of my internship, I had opened up my house and accepted a woman and two, two children into the home because they had no place to go and had an apartment with two bedrooms where they could stay with me the last two months I was in at my internship. I went to the point where I was struggling to the point where I was opening up my home to accept somebody else that was struggling in a year's time. That's the point. That's, 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 that's what God, so God has so much bigger for us than even just our blessing. He wants us to be a blessing to others. And so that's why if it can go through you, it, 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 he'll make sure it comes to you. But if it gets stuck with you, then he, he'll, he'll hold it back because his ultimate goal and the people of Israel, their ultimate goal was for the entire nation to move into that promised land so that the Messiah could be born, so that the whole world could be blessed. So that you and I over here in North America in 2017 could be hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, yeah, we, we appreciate you all's sacrifice. And they, these guys give online, actually, so that it always they always give on the first day of the month. And, it, uh, and uh, that's just something that's important to them because it's a first. So give God the 10% first. And um, I just think that's awesome. I think that's, that's something that uh, I started as a child and I'm training my kids to do. Us, uh, me and my wife have always um, given, uh, put God first in our lives, not just our money, but also um, our lives and our relationships. I don't know if we talked about tithing when we were dating, but, um, you know. Oh, really, it's in the book. That, that, obviously, it wasn't something I remembered. Uh, you were good looking and a Christian. And we were, I was down with it. Um, <laughs> God brain, I guess. Um, it was just, uh, yeah, but it's always been important for us to raise our children with that mentality of the, this is all God's. So we want to give it back to him. And when we do that, we also want to bless other people. We want to, we want to just really be able to bless other people. Um, and uh, I mean, I remember growing up, my parents, we, uh, there was a, a family, uh, he had, a husband lost his job a month before Christmas. They didn't have any Christmas money. And I remember uh, my mom and dad going around to different people and we got an envelope with about $1,000 in it. And I remember at like 2 a.m., like the week of Christmas, we didn't want anybody to know it was from us. And so I ran up to their house, they drove us up. I like stuck it in their, in their door, we ran off, you know. Um, and, then, and then they were like, I can't believe it, somebody dropped out $1,000, you know, we get to have Christmas. And it's those kinds of things that that is so awesome. And they never knew who did it, you know. It's just like, it doesn't matter. It's like, we got to bless somebody and make their Christmas awesome. And so there's just things like that that you can't do, though, if you don't have resources yourself. And so God wants to bless us so that we can then pour over and just bless other people and, and be a blessing. I just wanted to say, it just came to my mind that... Um, Something that we agree when we got together and, and with our our finances is not even think about because a lot of uh, a lot of our time we we realized that we were concerned about where the money going is going to come from. What are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with that? It's like you know what the Lord is in control. We're doing what he we're supposed to do. He will provide, and we really trust that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, that really what happened all the time. We don't we don't worry about money. Uh, uh, there's times that I go, oh my gosh, but he always, he's always on time, yeah. he's always there, uh, and, and when we have to make big payments, the money comes for, uh, he, he's always there. Yeah. So it's always, we don't have to worry about really, uh, oh, where the money's going to come from. 
Uh, well, we own a business. Well, we used to until yesterday, actually. <laughs> we, we own a business, but, but we, we used to make huge payments uh, regularly, and we were concerned where the money is going to come from, where the money is going to come from. And he always was faithful, and, 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 and we were looking at the, at the, the books and saying, well, we're going to be tied, but it's going to be enough. So we never were. Uh, and yeah, that's something that we found. Um, the Lord helped me pay off $40,000 of school debt on a preacher's salary, which is crazy, you know. So, um, I mean, God's just so faithful to to to, to help us whenever, we're, whenever we're, we're putting him first. And so that is my challenge. We're going to have baptism today. Uh, and I wanted to have them share, you say, about money. Um, because baptism and money is all connected. Um, it's really our values. It's giving God our lives. And that's what baptism is all about. It's just saying, Lord, I'm yours. And it's interesting in this passage here in Joshua. Um, uh, Joshua goes through the people and he tells them to sanctify. He says, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. Let me set yourself apart. Um, prepare uh, for God to do mighty works in your life. And then they walk through the, through the Jordan, right? The water's parted. They walk through. Well, you know, uh, when Jesus came to the earth... Jesus approached the same spot, actually, the same piece of ground, the same part of the Jordan, actually. John the Baptist was baptizing, and Jesus came and was baptized in the same part of the Jordan where the people crossed over a uh, thousand plus years prior. Um, because them crossing over was really it was a symbolism of going through baptism. That if you're going to step into the promises of God for your life, you need to you need to fully give yourself to God. And that's time, that's finances, that's your life. And so that's what baptism is all about. Even if you've been baptized as a child, um, we're ready uh, to baptize you today. And um, I'm, I'm going to release those of you that want to be baptized. You can go back here to the restrooms. We have a, a t-shirt for you. We have change of shorts. We have underwear. Um, if you use our underwear, you go ahead and keep it. Uh, it's our gift to you. Um, but we really wanted to make it as easy as possible. So that maybe, oh, they come ready to be baptized. But if you feel the Lord tugging on your heart, uh, even if you're baptized as a child, even if you're baptized as an adult, and maybe you didn't take it seriously, uh, maybe this is the time for you to take it seriously. We're going to continue with our service. Uh, we're going to. Uh